0: Amen. Thank you for that, Dave and Elaine. And uh, this week we are stepping out of the book of Matthew, taking a one-week hiatus, because we're out in nature, and I thought maybe a psalm would be a little bit more fitting for the setting that we're in. And so this morning we are going to be reading Psalm 8 And it's in your bulletin. I would tell you to turn open your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, you can turn open to them. But we also have it printed in your bulletins for you this day. So, Psalm 8. For the director of music, according to Giddeth, a Psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, And the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thou send our reading of God's holy word. May all who hear it see the majesty of our Lord. Well, how many of you got to watch a space shuttle go up into space this week? Anybody watch that? Yeah, a couple of you? You saw it come down? <laughs> yeah, this past week, it was Jeff Bezos, uh, the founder of Amazon, and three others who who really became the first space tourists as they were launched into the sky on a, what is titled the New Shepard Space Shuttle. Um, and this endeavor... it. It costs billions of dollars for a flight. If you were there, I, I was kind of like seemed anticlimactic to me. I think it lasted ten minutes. Yeah, um, but whatever the cost, the uh, the age of space tourism has now begun, and if you have the money, you too can reach for the stars. Ever since the dawn of time, man has been looking to the heavens in an attempt to find some type of significance in their life. We want to discover meaning, and we'll go to great lengths to do so. I mean, just ask Jeff Bezos. And yet, that meaning that we are looking for, it's all around us. If we would just be willing to open up our eyes, Today, we're, we're looking at a portion of scripture that, that, that shows us exactly where to look. In, in Psalm 8, we, we see a description of God's creative work. But more than that, we we see an expression of his majesty. You see, our, our, our psalmist David, though he was in awe of God's handiwork, he didn't worship it. Not like... His contemporaries, not like the other nations who worshipped objects of nature, rather he recognized that it is God's glory that is that is spread throughout his creation, and this drew him to worship the one who created both the heavens and the earth, the one who fills his creation with his majesty, for it is a, God's handiwork in His handiwork that He communicates directly to us. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul as he expressed this very thought in the book of Romans. Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities and His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from that which has been made, so that men are without excuse. What Paul is saying here is that God reveals himself to us as we look to the trees and to the grass, as we gaze up into the clouds and the sky and then then turn our heads down and see the reflection upon the still waters. It is through nature that God makes an impact on every single person whether they believe it or not. For he has shown to us his majesty. And it is in Psalm 8 that we see how King David had been impacted by God's natural revelation. Now David, before he became a king, what was he? A shepherd, right? Right? And that meant that he spent many nights out in the fields with his flock. Now, what does a shepherd do once all his sheep have laid their heads to rest? I can tell you one thing. He wasn't on his iPhone. He wasn't on his iPad. He didn't have any 5G service. Nor did he have a flashlight in order to read a scroll. Not that scrolls were all that commonplace back then. They were very rare, very costly. So what did David do? What kept him occupied before he closed his eyes? What he did is he looked up. Right? He studied the moon and he studied the stars. He learned their placements and, and their paths. And I imagine that this was the impetus of this psalm. David pondered God's creation and learned of His Majesty. How often do we take the time to just be in nature? No cell phones, no no headphones. I mean, I hear the birds chirping right now, right? I, that's God. That is Did God. You Jesus is calling this morning? Nope. <laughs> I'll read it to you guys. That yeah. yeah, but I mean. That's what David did. He was, he was out in nature. And how often do we get out there with, with nothing but ourselves and nothing but God's beautiful creation? I mean, is it any wonder why our society has been become so detached from God? For we have learned to, to shut out one of the primary ways that he is speaking to us. But David... David took all of it in, and one of the results of that practice was this psalm. So let's let's take a look at it again. And let's see what we can glean from David's learning. Look again at verse one. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! O Lord, our Lord, in the Hebrew Yahweh, Adonenu. David, he used the covenant name of his God, Yahweh, and then imparts upon him his kingly title, Adonai. Yahweh, the King of Kings, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And this word majestic, it comes from the Hebrew word adir, and it means powerful, it means mighty, glorious, and far reaching. It is an adjective that is only fitting for things that are immensely strong and amazingly wonderful. Think of the crashing waves or the or the mighty winds, forces that are far-reaching and cannot be stopped. This is the majesty of our God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And why is he majestic? Look at the rest of verse 1. You have set your glory above the heavens. Here we see both the transcendence and the imminence of Yahweh. Transcendence meaning that God is out of our reach. He is beyond us. He is above us. He has made His home in the heavens. Imminence, meaning that God is also near to us. How so? And the fact that he has imparted his glory, his, his majesty within his creation, demonstrating to us his desire to be close and intimate. He has revealed his presence in the heavens above, and his voice is both vibrant and clear. Look at verse 2. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I was a child, I remember going camping with my dad, and and I too would gaze up at the stars in the sky and be filled with awe and wonder. You know, back then, I we didn't have iPhones, right? And so children actually did those things. Um, Hopefully they still do today. But but looking up at the stars and looking up at the moon, it, it drove me to ask my dad many questions about both God and about myself, about man. You know, who is this great creator? How could he make such amazing things? And who are we? Does God even think about us? Does he even know that we exist? Or are we kind of like the ants to him, tiny and insignificant? You see, creation speaks so loudly that even the smallest among us, the children, can hear God's voice. It's only when we grow old and and begin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought that that, that we begin to tune out what God is saying. And these are the discordant notes of God's enemies, his foes, those who raise their battle cries against the Lord, those who claim that there is no creator and have given themselves over to idols and to sinful pleasures. Those are are the shouts of men who have suppressed the truth, even though that truth speaks to them loudly in both the morning sun and in the stars at night. But what does the psalmist say? That the praises of children will silence the foe. That the sound of God's enemies will be quieted by little infants. We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, and if you recall... When Jesus, after he had cleansed the temple, it were the, it was the children who were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. And those shouts made the religious leaders indignant. <clears throat> Listen to what they said. Look at, I guess you don't have your Bibles open, but if you do, look at Matthew 21, verse 16. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. You see, regardless of how wicked man gets, he will never be able to silence the witness of God's creative work or his revealing glory that is throughout the universe. God cannot be overcome. For he is majestic. And that majesty is on display for all to see. And because of that, because of that majesty, we must learn to humble ourselves and begin to understand our own lowly state. Look at our next verses. Look at verses 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. It is through creation that we realize how small we really are. The moon and the stars, these great titanic spheres, are the very work of God's fingers. They, they, they were set in place with a delicate touch. And yet God has chosen them to govern the heavens above when the sun takes its rest. And it is by them that we begin to understand how, how, how truly insignificant we are. For when, when these things are considered, when we see the vastness of, of God's creative work, we do find that we are like ants, minuscule and, and tiny, and it's right for us to feel that way. Let me ask you, in, in comparison to everything around you, do you understand how, how, how small you truly are? That you are just one of eight billion people who are like microscopic bugs that are covering the earth. In fact, you are so small that, that those who are orbiting in the space station above, they don't even know that you are there when they look down below. And yet, God's children are not forgotten. I mean, look at the questions that David asked. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? David realized that despite man's limited significance, God is both mindful and caring towards his creatures. The one who shaped the stars and the moon by the working of his fingers now directs his attention towards us. I mean, think about that. The creator of all that there is has his mind upon you. Dear friends, Do you understand the kindness that God has shown to you that he would even give you a second thought? Not to mention a third and a fourth and so on. For he extends his care towards you by showing you his common grace. For not only does his his creation display his majesty, but it also provides for you with both sustenance and a home. Nature is a demonstration of both God's compassion and his mercy. And if, as if that wasn't enough, God did even more. For, for he has also poured out his majesty upon us. Just as he gave rule over the heavens to the moon and the stars, he also gave rule over his earthly kingdom to mankind. Look at, look at verse 5. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. What we see here is a repeat of Genesis where God had commanded Adam and Eve to take dominion over the earth. I mean, listen to Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the mandate given to both Adam and Eve, and in this mandate we see the majesty of God imparted to man. They were they were made king and queen over this earthly kingdom. They were a royal people charged to maintain order over God's creation. They were to guide. They were to protect all that he had entrusted them with. And yet we all know the story of what went wrong. How Adam and Eve sinned. And as a result of that sin, creation became fractured. The glory had diminished as the two of them chose to take off their crowns and follow their own path. They lost their positions of authority as they gave up their royal standing for a bite of the fruit. And because of that, creation is now cursed. And we, as Adam and Eve's offspring, as we try to take back that dominion, creation itself fights back. That's why our work is now laborious. It is why there is pain in in childbirth. For our representative is Adam. And the majesty that he had once shown forth has now become dulled and obscured. But fortunately, that is not the end of the story. No, not by a long shot. God has demonstrated his mercy towards us and that he sent his son to be our new representative, one who would fulfill Adam's mandate, one who would become that ideal man. Jesus, by becoming fully human and by fully participating with humanity, has brought restoration to his children. That former majesty that we had lost can now shine forth once more. For it was in Christ's obedience that he lived a sinless life, the sinless life that we could not. And more than that, he took upon himself the curse that we deserved as he died for our sins upon the cross. And then he rose from the dead three days later in majestic glory. And now he has ascended into heaven, where he sits upon his throne as the King of kings and Lord of lords, for all things have been put under his feet. This is what we read in our our first scripture reading. Look again at Hebrews 2, verses 5 through 9. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. And putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. The author of Hebrews speaks of our psalm and then ascribes it to Jesus Christ. And the reason he does so is because it is Jesus who fulfills all these things. He is the one who brings back majesty to the human race. He is the one who is our new representative. No longer do we look to Adam, but we look to Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is his name that is majestic in all the earth. And then listen to what the author of Hebrews says next. Look at verse 10 and 11. And bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus now calls us brothers and sisters. We are of the same family. Dear friends, the the, the majesty that, that, that Christ has restored is now given to those who put their trust in him. To those who humble themselves and look to the cross for forgiveness, think about that. What an amazing and and gracious Savior that we have in Jesus. So let us look to God's creation. Let us look to the trees and to the and to the grass, and let us see God's majesty. Let us look to the moon and the stars at night and let us understand how how small we truly are. And then let us us look to the Son, Jesus Christ, our perfect Savior, and know that He is mindful of us, that He cares for us. And then let us cry out, O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us pray. Father, we truly are in awe of your majesty. We see it all around us. Your creation speaks to us. Help us to have attentive ears so that we might listen to your voice. May nature itself direct us to your Son, the only one who can restore a, restore to us the majesty that we once had. And may your Holy Spirit move within us as we reflect upon your greatness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.